Colossians chapter 1. A number of years ago, Angie and I took a group of students north of Cincinnati to Kings Island theme park. It was several days away, and we were going to be doing a retreat together. We were going to camp, but we were also going to the theme park and spend some time. And so we were camping one night, had a great worship service, talking about the Lord Jesus, challenging students to be faithful to him. Good night's rest, got up the next morning, went over to the theme park, and as we get to the park, we see this ride. It was called 321 Fly. The students wanted to do it. And basically, it was three people get in a harness together. They lock arms together. And then they take you by cable up 153 feet in the air. And then somebody, one of the three, pulls a cord, and then you fall back down to the ground. So the student said, why don't you do that with us? I said, well, two things. I value human life. And number two, I'm cheap, so I don't think I'd pay the money that it would cost to do that. And so they continued to do that, and they continued to say, why don't you do it with us? We want to do it. It'd be a lot of fun. Uh, we'd love to do it with you. And then in a moment of weakness, I think, I made this statement. I said, if somebody will pay my way, I'll do it for you. I'll do it with you. Well, the Baptist youth service broke out, and they started taking up an offering. And, and so they, they got the money, and they said, here's the money. You're going to do it with us. I said, well, question, we committed or not committed? The next thing I knew, I was standing with two teenage boys, one on my right, one on my left. We've locked arms together. We're standing there just like this. There's harnesses on the front of us. And they lift up that cord just a little bit, that cable. Next thing I know, we're on our faces, literally about that far off the ground, by that cable. And then we start going up. We're going up 153 feet. And as we're going up, I thought, Lord, what in the world am I doing? And so the boy on my left, a young teenage boy, he said, I forgot to tell you all, I'm scared of heights. I said, you should have said that a long time ago before now. And then the boy on my right, and this was absolutely hilarious, going up, he said, would you forgive me? And I said, well, Nathan, what in the world have you done? He said, I'm pretty sure I'm going to cuss before this is over. (laughs) And he said, if you'll go ahead and forgive me now, we can go and get that out of the way. (laughs) He didn't cuss, by the way. The Lord helped him out. So we get up there, and sure as anything, we're 153 feet above the ground, face down. I'm waiting for a 15-year-old to pull the cord. And then finally, the 15-year-old pulls the cord, and we fly back down to the ground. But I was committed. There was no turning back at a certain point. This morning, as you think about your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, let me ask you, are you committed or not committed? And as you think about your involvement in the fellowship of our church, we love our church, the Lord's at work. But when you think about your involvement in our church, when I would say involvement, here's what I mean by that, when it comes to attending, giving, and serving. And when I think about the church, are you committed or not committed? And here's what I know from the book of Colossians, that that if our church is going to be healthy and our church is going to reach another spiritual level, it requires commitment from leaders and members. We've got to be faithful to Christ, but we've got to be faithful to attend, we've got to be faithful to give, we've got to be faithful to serve. Committed. Committed or not committed. Colossians chapter 1, the heart of the Apostle Paul is on display. When you look at the book of Colossians, you know that Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writing to the church at Colossae, we know this, that there are 95 verses, four chapters, one purpose. 
And what's the purpose of those 95 verses? It's this. It is the greatness of Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church. Supremacy of everything. It is Jesus Christ, him alone. But when you look at Paul's life, full display here from a prison cell, I want to give you some thoughts about Paul's life, not on your outline, but just to kind of help set this up. When you think about Paul's life, what he's saying to these believers at Colossae, but also to you and me, one of those is life wasn't about him. He didn't want anyone following him. He wanted everyone to follow Jesus. So life wasn't about him. He was pointing people to Christ and to say, give him your life, make him your Lord, and you follow him in your life. So life wasn't about Paul. It was about the Lord Jesus Christ. We know from the book of Colossians that God used the church at Colossae. And God was doing great things in them. We see that in the beginning of chapter 1. And here Paul is again under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He is writing to the believers in Colossae. He is encouraging them to stay faithful to Christ. Be aware of the false teachers, but you be faithful to truth as well. God was using the church just as God's using our church. And then the third thing I would say about Paul there was he, he always wanted to make sure everything was about Jesus. He understood and he believed, just as Jesus said, if you exalt me, I'll change the lives of people. And so Paul was exalting Christ, the greatness of Jesus Christ, because he knew when Jesus is lifted up, he is going to change the lives of boys and girls and men and women. That's how the Lord works. And then when you look at the life of the Apostle Paul, he was committed to the local church. He even talked about suffering for the church. He even talked about struggling for the local church. But he was committed to the local church. Let me ask you again. Are you committed or not committed? Three personal questions here for a moment. That will set us up here in chapter 1 and into chapter 2. But when you look at your life, are you struggling for the church in any way? And when you look at your life, are, are you suffering for the church in any way? And when you look at your life, can you say that you are a servant of the Lord, but also a servant of his church? And then what are you willing to give up so that other people can hear the name of Jesus and surrender their lives to him, know him as Savior, and follow him as Lord? Committed or not committed? So are you struggling for the church? Are you suffering for the church? Are you a servant of the church? And then what are you willing to give up so other people can know Christ? Interesting today on your outline, this, this sermon outline, the way I outlined it this week, dissenting the Lord's leadership is a little bit different because every point builds on the other part. And so ultimately when you're finished, I'll give you a complete sentence. But look at number one, the church is what? The church is a body. Paul makes it clear in Colossians chapter 1, uh, that the church is a body. He talked about that in verse 18, and then he's going to come down here again in verse 25. In verse 24, he's going to talk about the body, which is the church. He's making sure that we understand that the church is a body. From Paul's life, here's what Paul was doing. In this context, he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings. He was grateful that he was alive in Christ and he was serving the Lord and serving the church. He was suffering. Again, we don't like that idea that we're going to suffer in our day, but Paul was suffering for Christ and he was suffering for the church. And as you look, he says, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake in my flesh. He is suffering for the cause of Jesus and the health of the local church at Colossae. 
Now, when you look at Paul's life, there were several things going on. There were many Jewish people who did not like him because uh, they didn't like him because he was always talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, making much of Jesus. Uh, There were other Gentile people who didn't like him because he was pointing out their sins. Here's how you have disobeyed and sinned against God. And so people didn't like him because he was preaching Christ, he was reaching Gentiles, and he was pointing out their sin. And the Gentile people would say, you're stepping on our toes because you're preaching the word of God and you're talking about the Lord Jesus. Has the word of God ever stepped on your toes? That's a good thing, by the way. If the word of God steps on your toes, the spirit is at work in your life. And so Paul is talking about those very things. But he's making much of Christ. He's saying that the body, the church is a body, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at these truths here. I want you to understand. Number one, misconceptions exist about the church. As you and I think about the church, misconceptions exist about the church. And you talk to people who are outside the church, and here's what they're saying oftentimes. They're saying the church, there's hypocrites involved in the church. When you look at the church, they're going to say that the church is irrelevant and boring. They're going to make statements like the church is unfriendly and cliquish. Uh, They're going to make statements like the church is only interested in money. That's from those who are outside the church. So misconceptions exist, but also you need to know that there are misconceptions about the church, even on the inside of the church. And here's what I mean, that if I ask you these questions today, we had an opportunity to discuss them. We would probably disagree on some of these. For example, why does the church exist? What should the church be doing? Whom should the church be reaching? What's appropriate and inappropriate in the fellowship of the church? We'd probably disagree about some of those things. So there are misconceptions about the church, those outside, but also those inside. And Paul makes it clear to say this, that the church is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants that to be clear. Look at number two on your outline. Not only misconceptions exist, but also the church is more than a building. As you and I think about this building, thank God for the building. And buildings, it's where we gather, it's where we worship God, love people, share Jesus, make disciples. We get equipped to do those things. So thank God for the building. But please understand, the church is simply not the building. You and I, those who know Christ because of his grace, who've been bought by his blood, who've surrendered our lives and trusted him, those who have been redeemed, the called out ones, you and I are the church. It's not simply this building. And we thank God for buildings, they're tools, it's where we gather, we fellowship, we carry out what God wants us to do, but it's not the church. You and I are the church. Here's what I know, with this building, without this building, we can still do what God wants us to do. With the building, without the building, we can still worship God, we can still love people, we can still share Jesus, we can still make disciples. Happens all the time around the world. There are churches with know nothing of a building like this, but they're still faithful to Jesus, doing everything that he wants them to do. The church is more than a building. Look at number three. Ministry involvement builds, or, or God equips his church with many different parts. So as you and I think about the church, he, again, he equips his church with many different parts. The body is made up of many members. And members have different functions. And so as you and I think about the church being his body, there are many different members. And we're going to talk about in a moment, every member is important. So please understand that. And so when you think about the church as made up of many different parts, you have a place in the fellowship of what God's doing in this church. 
Now, when I look at it and look at my physical body, I, I thank God that I have eyes to see. I'm thankful to God I have ears to hear. I am thankful I have fingers and toes. I am thankful this morning that, that I have a, the kidneys and liver. I'm thankful I have a physical heart. I'm thankful for all these different parts of the body. Because why? They all function so that I can do what God's asked me to do. Now, I want to make this statement here. Please understand this. If you are a part of the church, a part of his body, you are important. Every member of this church is important to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the fellowship of this church, his body called First Baptist Church. You matter. Now, I know some people look at it and say, well, I, I don't think I'm that important. And you say, well, why do you feel that way? Well, a lot of people don't know my name. I, I'm not up on the platform. I'm not one of those who are serving on the platform. So I don't think I'm really that important in the fellowship of the church. Please understand, you don't have to be on the platform. People don't even have to know your name. You matter to God and you matter to this church. Now, let me take an example, my physical heart. Uh, and, and people say, well, people just don't see me, but do you see my physical heart? You say, well, I don't, I don't see the physical heart, but aren't you grateful the heart's working? Because I look at it, you don't see my physical heart, so, so, so is it important? Well, imagine one day if the heart just said, and it happens to some people, if the heart just said one day, nobody sees me, nobody notices me, well, I'm just going to stop working. Do you think if the heart stopped working, would it have influenced other areas of my life? Absolutely would. My entire body would shut down if the heart quit. Just because you're not seen, just because you're not on the platform, does not mean you're not important. You matter in this church. And when one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. If you get up in the middle of the night and you're walking around and you stub your big toe, is it going to influence and affect the rest of your body? You better believe it will. You may hit it in such a way your entire body's on the floor in pain. But every person in the church matters. There, there are misconceptions about the church. The church is not simply a building. We are the body of Christ. And he blesses the church with many different parts. The church is a body. Look at number two. The church is a body made up of servants. Paul makes it very clear in this context, as you and I think about the church, that he was a minister. A better translation of that word is servant. He was a servant. And I had the opportunity yesterday of spending some time with many of you in this room at the Austin P football game. Uh, they won, by the way, which was a great day for them. But we were there to fellowship. We sat on the sidelines. They never asked us to get in a game. They didn't ask us to throw a pass or kick a field goal, do anything like that. We just got to sit on the sidelines. We were just spectators, and we got to fellowship with many from our church yesterday. But when it comes to the church, the church is different than a football game. And here's what I mean by that. Does he ask us to be spectators in the church? No. Does he call us to sit on the sidelines and watch other people serve? No. He saved you and me and gifted you and me so that we would serve him through the ministries of the local church, his body. He wants us to serve. Now, as you think about Jesus, the goal of the Christian life is that you would be much like the Lord Jesus Christ. You would, be, you would speak like him. You would act like him. You would be like Jesus. Jesus lived his life as a servant. He said himself, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In John 13, the Son of God took a basin of water and a towel and washed the dirty, crusty feet of his disciples. Why? Because he was modeling for them what it meant to serve. So you and I are servants. 
Now, when Paul is saying that, the church is a body made up of servants. Uh, Paul is not a consumer. He was not a celebrity. He was a servant. You and I, we don't gather as a church to be entertained and to make us necessarily feel good. We gather because we are the body of Christ and we gather because we are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ in life. And we want to be obedient to him. But look at these truths as you look here. The church is a body made up of servants. Number one, the church isn't a place for selfishness. As you and I think about the church, we have to understand we need to be careful that we're servants. It's not about selfishness. It's not about my needs necessarily, my wants, my desires. We're servants. Paul was a bond slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. But one of the things I've noticed over the years in churches, many churches never reached their spiritual potential. Why? Because of selfishness in the fellowship of the church. And I'm not going to give you names of churches and context, but here's what I've heard. In many of the churches I've pastored, many of the churches I've related to, they look at it and they say, we just don't want the church to grow. We, we want the church to stay the same. I want to make sure everybody knows one another's names. I like the church being small. I've literally heard those words from the mouths of people. But as you and I think about the Lord and his church, as we think about all those things, please understand when it comes to the church, the message of the church never changes. It's the word of God. It's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that never changes. As you and I think about the church, please understand what we do should be done in an orderly way, not out of confusion and chaos. God is a God of order. But also please understand if we're going to see this church healthy and reach another level, it takes unselfish people to grow a church. We may not know everyone's name. Some things may change. Instead of getting smaller, we pray to get larger. We want to see more people in this room, more people in connect groups, more people serving. But it just takes unselfish people to grow a church. Look at number two. God places people in this church to be involved. So as we look at this context, notice what Paul is saying. He's talking here about them, the church, which is the body. He said, I became a minister. Better translation for that is the word servant, according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. He was not serving because it was a good career choice for him. He was serving because God called him to serve. He was serving because God gifted him to serve. As you and I think about the body, the church, takes unselfish people to grow a church. He's put people in the body to be involved. He has saved you and gifted you so that you would serve. Again, I appreciate the ministry team and the staff of this church, but God has not called us to do all the work of ministry. He has saved you and gifted you so that you would serve in the fellowship of his church. And so when I think about your giftedness, you're many in this room gifted to teach, gifted to administrate, gifted to lead, gifted with generosity and giving, gifted in hospitality, gifted in so many ways to carry out what God wants to carry out in his body, which is the church. And so he's put you in this church, put you in the body so that what you would be involved, not a spectator, not sitting on the sidelines, but serving Jesus. Number three, ministry ministry involvement builds his church and influences people. Ministry involvement builds his church and influences people. Here's what I mean by that. When when you and I serve, yes, we're building his church, but we're influencing people around us. Let me give you a couple of examples of that. Think think about our maintenance custodial team. I appreciated the video they did this morning. It was great, by the way, as well. 
But what they do is matters in the fellowship. That's why every part of the body is important. Not just what happens on this platform, but even outside of that, every person matters. Imagine if the maintenance custodial team just did not do their job, did not do their work, didn't carry out their purpose. And so you came in on Sunday mornings and the place was dirty. You came in on Sunday morning and there was this foul smell throughout the building. You came in on a Sunday morning and many lights were out. They weren't even working. Would that influence you? Absolutely it would. What they do matters. I'm grateful the building is clean. I'm grateful it smells great. I'm grateful the lights are working. Why? Because they're doing what they're supposed to do and realize they're important in the fellowship of our church. Let's take it to another level. Connect group leaders. Would it influence people? Would it build or even help hinder the church in some ways? If connect group leaders, you came to your class late every Sunday morning. You came to your class on Sunday mornings not prepared to teach the Word of God. You came to your class on Sunday morning just going through the motions. And you came to your class on Sunday mornings. Can't wait till the year's over so your time is done and you can move on. Would that influence people? It would influence people. And so what's the maintenance, custodial staff, connect group leaders, deacons, staff, whatever role you have in this church, please understand we are to give Almighty God our absolute best in ministry. Why? Because our ministry involvement builds his church and influences other people. And Paul's making that known. The church is a body made up of servants. Look at number three. The church is a body made up of servants who know what's expected. And here's the big question. Why does the church exist? And let me give you these reasons. One, reach people who don't know Jesus. Paul says in this context into the church, he says, him we proclaim. He said, we're, we're here to make known the word of God. He is always about reaching people for Christ. How can we share the gospel so that another boy, another girl, another man, another woman can hear the gospel and give his or her life to Christ? It was about reaching people for the Lord Jesus. Look at, look at number two. Why, do we, why does the church exist? Well, to practice accountability by speaking the truth in love. As you think about the church, we're here to practice accountability. What does that mean? We're to help each other out, encourage each other. Accountability, please understand, doesn't mean I'm just going to point out everything you're doing wrong in your life. That's not the goal of accountability. Well, the Pharisees could do that very well, but if we're going to be accountable partners, we need to be like Aaron and her in the life of Moses. As long as Moses had his hands up, the victory was there. When his arms went down, they were going to be defeated. Aaron and her said, I'm going to help you, Moses. We're going to be accountable to you so that we can be victorious. That's accountability, not just pointing out everything you're doing wrong, but it's to help you be faithful to Jesus and consistent in the church. So who are you accountable to? Paul made it very clear to them. He talked about it in his context about warning them. Him we proclaim warning everyone. That is accountability in action. So who are you accountable to? How's accountability working in your life? Then, then look at number three. Help believers mature in Christ. When you think about the church, he says that very thing. He said that we're him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we, we, we may present everyone mature in Christ. Growing up, developing in the Christian life. He was helping them be all that God wanted them to be. Now, I want to give you these next number of statements here. How do you know if you're maturing in your relationship with Christ or not? 
This is just something you can gauge in your own life. There, there are many more statements I could give you, but how do you know if you're maturing in your relationship to Christ? Look at the first one. You guard your personal time with the Lord. If you're growing in your relationship to Christ, you're going to guard your personal time with the Lord. What do I mean by that? It's a priority for you. You're not going to forsake that. You're not going to allow something to get in the way of that. You know the Lord and you want to grow deeper in him. You guard your personal time with the Lord. Look at number two. You live with an awareness of his presence. That is life-changing right there. When you live with an awareness of his presence, that changes everything about your life. The decisions you make, it changes. Why? Because he is aware of who I am and what I'm doing and where I'm at. It just means you're maturing, you're growing in relationship to Christ. Look at the third one. You confess sin by practicing repentance. Do we all sin? Yes, we all sin. But but you confess that sin. Why? Because uh, you don't want to practice habitual sin. You confess that sin by turning from your sin and turning to Christ. Look at the next one. You share Jesus with other people. That just becomes natural to you. Sure, we talk about football and we talk about sports and we talk about other things, but somewhere we ought to be talking about Jesus to other people and our families, workplaces, schools, people we meet in life. As you are maturing and growing up in the Christian life, you are having conversations with people about Jesus. Look at the next one. You, You praise the Lord for service opportunities. As you and I think about serving the Lord, there are some people see serving the Lord as a burden, Please understand, serving the Lord Jesus Christ is not a burden, it's a blessing. I mean, can you imagine that the risen Savior, who's victorious over death and the grave, who's alive one day coming again, that he has invited you and me to serve him? That's not a burden, that's a blessing to be able to serve Christ that way. And so you look at ministry opportunities and you say, Jesus, thank you for allowing me to be used of you You're working in and through my life, and so that's not a burden, that's a blessing. And as I'm growing in you, I want to make sure I serve you to every bit that you want to use me. You just be faithful to him. And as you're growing, you're going to see service opportunities as a blessing. Look, next, you see trials as divine pathways for growth. That's not easy to do. There are many people who are not growing in a Christian life and they see trials and they think, what, God's unfair? Why didn't God come for me, come through for me? Why didn't God stop this from happening? They see all these issues in life, but when you are growing and maturing, you look at your life and you see those trials, storms as divine pathways that God is at work in your life. Romans 8.28 is on display. That's the work of God. So the church is a body. The church of the body made up of servants. The church of the body made up of servants who know what's expected. And then look at number four, and who are committed. The church of the body made up of servants who know what's expected and who are committed. Now I want to ask you, are you committed or not committed? Let me give you these three insights here. How do you know when you think about commitment? Number one, obeying Jesus reveals commitment. Obeying Jesus reveals commitment. If you love Jesus, you'll obey what he commands. That's commitment. Uh, Look at number two, encouraging others strengthens them. That's what Paul is doing. He is encouraging believers. He makes that clear in in chapter two. He says what? That their hearts may be encouraged. He is encouraging. Whom are you encouraging? Speaking the truth to them in love. Whom are you encouraging to, to say, 
Give your all to Christ. Be faithful to him. He's using you. You're making a difference. My life wouldn't be the same if it wasn't for you. Whom are you encouraging in the body of Christ? And then number three, teaching truth protects churches. That's what Paul says down at the end of verse four. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. He is teaching the church at Colossae, but also the church at Laodicea, that they would be faithful because Satan used different strategies on both of those churches. The church at Laodicea, he used, he used money to do that. But the church at Colossae, he used lies to do that. And he's just teaching truth and he's protecting churches. Now, here's where I want to wrap it up with. The church is a body made up of servants who know what's expected and who are committed. As you think about your relationship with Christ... And as you think about your relationship with this church, are you committed? And here's what I mean. Are you committed in attendance? Are you committed to give? Are you committed to serve? And here's also what I mean. As we think about the church, are, are, are we expecting leaders and members in our church to be committed? And the answer is, is yes, we are. We want leaders and members to be committed. But does it concern us when leaders and members are not committed? And then I ask you this morning, as Paul said in Colossians 2, I'm struggling for the church. What are you and I struggling with the Lord about in relationship to his church? Committed or not committed? Yeah, at King's Island that day on that ride... When they took that, that cable and they pulled us up and all of a sudden we were face down on the ground, I knew then I'd made a commitment and there was no turning back. But as you think about your walk with Christ, are you committed or not committed? Again, if this church is going to go to another level and this church is going to be healthy as leaders and members, because every member is important, we must be committed if we're going to get there. And the Lord's the one who grows a church that we just simply follow him. Commitment, sacrifice, suffering, struggling for the glory of his church. Let's bow together this morning as we pray together. Again, those in the room, committed or not committed, if you've never given your life to Jesus, we want to encourage you to surrender your life to him. We make it prayerfully clear every week. There's only one way to be saved, and his name is Jesus. We we seek to make it clear every week that we're here as a pastoral team to help you to know Christ and to follow him in obedience. We seek to make it clear as well that if you have questions about the Christian life and you just need someone to talk to, we're available to do that, whether it's the pastoral team or our prayer warriors who are here this morning as well. But our our goal, just as we look at Colossians, the greatness of Jesus, we want to make sure you understand the greatness of Jesus in your life and that you know him. And then you need to be baptized, committed or not committed. Be be committed and say, Lord, you, you have saved me a week ago or a few weeks ago, a few months ago, and I've never followed you publicly in baptism. I need to be committed and take that step. Be committed today. And say, I'm going to follow his leadership. Church affiliation, 
I'm confident there are people in this room whom you're here week in and week out, but you've never officially made this your church family. Committed or not committed? Why wouldn't you say yes to him today and be committed? To say, Lord, we're going to go forward. We're going to meet with one of the pastoral leaders there. We want to be a part of this church. We want to be committed, not committed. And this is something else God's doing in your life in the Christian life in some way. But I want you to know this morning, every member of this church is important. Your life matters. And then those who watch online, literally all over the world, we thank you for joining us week in and week out. And we want you to know that we're spiritually concerned about your life as well. Whether you're a young person, adult, whatever age you are, We want you to know Christ. We want you to follow him in baptism. We want you to be a part of the church. We want you to be growing up and maturing in your life. And if we can help you answer any questions, come alongside you, whatever platform you may be on, you can email us as you see the address there. We'd love to respond to you or just make a comment to us. We'd help you as well. Our church literally wants to reach the nations with the gospel of Christ. And we'd be honored to help you in your walk with him. Committed or not committed. In just a moment, we're going to sing about being available. Are you available for God to use? Are you available to be able to serve him? Are you available to say, Lord, I'm committed. I'm going to be faithful in attendance, faithful in giving, faithful in serving. Are you available? Father, we thank you this morning. Father, we thank you this morning that Jesus gave everything for us. And Father, we're thankful that we can give an invitation to people about being obedient unto you. Whether that's salvation or baptism or church membership or some other issue in the Christian life. But Father, I pray when we walk out the doors today or we lock off the computer screen, we could say today without any reservation, I'm committed. I'm all in. There's no turning back. I'm available for God to use. And that may mean a recommitment or even a confession of sin because you're maturing in Christ. But Father, I pray today for decisions to be made, people to come to you and use us to help them we ask. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Song available. Are you available? Let's stand together and let's sing. Let's be obedient to Christ. Let's be available for him to use and to change this morning. Let's sing together.